It's time for JT the Brick. This is about as good as it gets. <laughs> it is. There's some legends here. No now, doubt right? about it. I can't believe the Raiders had Cliff Branch and Fred Blinnikoff um, on the same team, but uh, <laughs> but they had they had such a dynamic team. JT the Brick. I just love. I don't know. I just love the Raiders. I I'm, I'm not sure why. Growing up in Kansas, I love John Madden and Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan. Yeah. Um, guys like that. I just. I don't know. I just love the Raiders for some reason. Jackpot, baby. And now here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate on a great day in the Raider Nation. JT in Vegas, streaming all over the globe on the flagship of the Silver and Black, brought to you by PT's Taverns. I guess today is National Cocktail Day. I know that because I follow PT's on Facebook, and a great day ends with a cocktail in hand. What are y'all sipping for National Cocktail Day at PT's Best Happy Hour in Town? And next Wednesday... March 30th, join everyone at Sierra Gold of 215 and Jones at 7 p.m. for the VGK watch party, which should be a big one as they're going up against Seattle. Uh, that sounds like a good time. PT's best happy hour in town. They fuel my monologue every day. That's basically what I do every day. I do five monologues of 20 minutes. Noon, 1, 7, 8, and 9 p.m. That's my job. And then I try to fill in the holes with some interviews, some phone calls, breaking news, and all of that. That's it. It's like Groundhog's Day every freaking day for me. I mix in a couple of podcasts, and I go big. At noon, 1, 7, 8, 9. And Raider Nation, you get these two hours exclusively. If you're there, it's great. We talk Raiders year-round. I also mix in the Golden Knights, the NBA, March Madness, we're, we're a talk show every day, and we talk about sports, and we're based with Raiders. And today and last night, I put together a list of the Raiders offseason. If you go to NFL.com, they have a list of every free agent tracker trade or signing. And then I compared it with my notes, and I think they're off or I'm off by one or two. And I got 18 or 19 new players. Chandler Jones, Rock Yassim, Anthony Averett. Darius Phillips, uh, Matt Collins, who I'm really excited about, Micah Kaiser, Bilal Nichols, Brandon Bolden, <laughs> Jacob Johnson, Alex Bars, Vernon Butler, Amir Abdullah, Demarcus Robinson, Kyler Frackroll, Jacob Hollister, Kyle Pico, Brandon Parker back, Garrett Gilbert, quarterback, Devontae Adams. As Vince Lombardi would say, what the hell's going on out there? The Raiders, I believe, this is just my opinion from doing the math, I think they brought in the most amount of players in the NFL. I really do. I'm counting the players, and I'm, I'm matching it up against NFL.com. That also included Max Crosby re-signing and what I mentioned with Brandon Parker, but then I'm adding in all the other players here, and I'm looking and I'm going, God, there's a brand-new football team. There's so many new players that we all got to meet together at training camp and off-season workouts. And when I meet them, you'll meet them on the radio and you hear in other shows interview these guys. But what a difference an off-season makes. Now, the big thing that we have to debate, it's a debate, sports radio has turned into debate. Were all of these moves necessary or not? I think they were because there's a brand new organization that's coming over from New England with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, and they want their guys. Just the way Reggie McKenzie, John Gruden, Mike Mayock, they all want their guys. Al Davis, the best example in NFL history. Mr. Davis wanted 
his guys. Not your guys, not the other guys, the guys that he wanted. And the way Mr. Davis did it, Al Davis, is he worked these players when they weren't on the team. You hear these stories about Mr. Davis in pregame warm-up going up to someone and going, you're going to be a Raider someday. And the guy ends up being a Raider. Lyle Alzado, the list goes on and on. And what's happening here is the Patriot way, coming from New England, and I'm never going to call it the Raider way and all that. I'm not going to get cheesy and say that, but this is the Patriot way as it came out west to Las Vegas. And there's no doubt that they're bringing in a bunch of players to compete at positions. And I didn't even mention the players that are coming back. You know, Daniel Carlson. You start going through the list of players who are going to be here, who's still on the roster, Josh Jacobs, everybody else. Derek Carr with the upcoming extension. The players that have to be extended eventually, Hunter Renfro. So you know where I'm going with this. But they brought in so many players here. I think they did it not so much out of necessity. This was a 10-win team that made the playoffs. But they're bringing in the competition at certain positions like linebacker. Where, you know, now bringing in Bobby Wagner, which I'd love to see Bobby Wagner be here. He's a Hall of Famer. A great player. But they're bringing in players for depth. You know, depth cornerbacks, depth linebackers. But, man. A lot of special teams, and I wrote that in my notes last night, that the amount of players that they brought in who are going to play on special teams, to me, makes this look like a special teams all-star team. I mean, you got guys, if they don't make the team, they're going to make the team in some type of role as a starter or a backup, or they're going to get on the field with Patrick Graham, and they're all going to be on special teams, which is really important for this club. So with all the players that I have, and I'm trying to mix and match it, and we're going through it. It's, it's really exceptional how active they were. And the fact that a couple of people got tripped up into thinking the Raiders weren't going to do anything. And again, from what I'm looking at in front of me, it looks like they did more than anybody else. They filled in a lot of needs and they brought in two absolute superstars in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. I mean, great superstars in the league. And Rocky Asin, who's going to be a starting corner, who everybody in Indy that I talked to didn't want to see him go. Because he's a guy who's going to start on this team. So they brought in three to four to five if you look at fullback and backup running back or a secondary back, Demarcus Robinson. Guys are going to be on the field a lot. And then we're going to see what's going to happen with Bilal Nichols at defensive tackle, what they just did with Butler, defensive tackle. Not an explosive pro bowler, but guys like last year where the Raiders went out and they were very active in the defensive tackle market. I thought that paid off for Gus Bradley and the team. I really did. I thought the defensive tackles were good enough to kind of be there, stop the run, get some pressure so Yannick Ngakwe and Max could have big games off the edge. And I think the Raiders are concentrating on this. The elephant in the room is the offensive line. After they brought in Alex Bars, who's kind of a guy they're going to mix and match. Maybe he ends up starting. But I listened this morning to a national show on NFL Network, and everybody understands that the Raiders better get going with this offensive line. And I don't think what they want to do with Andre James, clearly Colton Miller, who's a fantastic player, I think this upcoming year he starts his Pro Bowl run of going to four or five Pro Bowls in a row. That's how good he is. And Leatherwood, who is a first-round pick, and they're going to stick with him at some position. I don't think he's good enough to play right tackle, but inside, right guard and move him around. Those are three of the five guys I just mentioned. And then Brandon Parker and other players that can play the position there. They're not bad, but they're not average or above average on the offensive line. And that could be a little bit of a concern because the Raiders have all these weapons. 
including Devontae Adams, that have to get open deep. And the offensive line is going to have to do a pretty good job protecting Derek Carr. But other than that, I mean, they filled every position. Every position you can fill. Cornerback, linebacker, star receiver, star edge rusher, special teams. I mean, very active here overall. Backup quarterback. I'm looking for another quarterback to come in. So, look, I'm not going to give the Raiders an A+, a B+, whatever you think the grade is. When it comes to volume and the amount of work they did, these guys worked their ass off over the last couple of weeks and getting this deal done. Now they can go back home and move their families, you know, get their kids in school, figure out what they're going to do, and get their lives in order here with these coaches that I believe they haven't come up for air. They're working so hard. And this is a new football team, a team that's won 10 games. And Raider Nation, one of the topics called action here in the monologue, would you clearly say that the team is much better on paper or when you look at last year, they won 10 games and had some really good players. There's no Casey Hayward. There's no Yannick Ngakwe. There's other players aren't going to be here. Alec Ingol, Zay Jones, the players that they left. Marcus Mariota is a backup. However, we look at it. I wonder how much you think this team has improved. Because I hope the number one reason, number one all-time reason you listen to me, is because I try to protect the Raider Nation nationally from all of these scoundrels that kick you when you're down. There's a tiny portion of the Raider Nation that'll come after me from time to time, never in person, but as an internet scoundrel. But overall, you know me for 20-plus years. All I'm trying to do is go on my national show and local show and remind you at how much the other teams despise you and how much they talk down to you. And I walk the parking lot from beginning to end uh, of the pregame. You know where to find me at the torch. You know where I'm at. And I just try to do my job and protect the shield and give Raider fans an opportunity to talk about the Raiders because everybody else who talks about you talks down to you. And a recent study that I just saw on the Internet, on Twitter and on Instagram, the Superbook at the Westgate, and we have Jeff Sherman on every Tuesday. He's phenomenal. VP of Risk Management will have him on this Tuesday. They have the Raiders at 50-1. to to win the Super Bowl, which is better than 100 to 1 or 80 to 1. And again, I don't think the Raiders to go should have been considered a Super Bowl team. But the Chargers are 18 to 1, and the Broncos are 20 to 1, and the Raiders are 50 to 1. And I'm scratching my head. I'm not a gambler, but I interview gamblers. How could that be? Is that a blatant disregard and disrespect for the Raiders? I don't think so because the guys who run the sports book. They don't get down in the gutter and play those type of games. They're in a big business. You know, professional sports gambling. They don't care what you think of them. They set the odds. And if you start betting the Raiders at 50 to 1 and you throw a ton of money in, and a couple of guys come in with 100 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, the odds are going to go from 50 to 40 to 30. Where I think it would be good. You know, I think the Raiders at 30 to 1 would make a little bit more sense than 50 to 1. So that's one way to knock them. Uh, Two weeks ago, before Devontae Adams was here, everybody was talking about Russell Wilson to Denver and Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to the Chargers. And then the Raiders brought in Chandler Jones, and it moved the needle a little bit. But then they had the blockbuster deal for Devontae Adams. And that's the main point today in the monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. There's a guy playing in the tournament, by the way. His name's Remy Martin. I'm rooting for him to play well. 
So now Devontae Adams has, has shook, shaken up the whole league because he set the market for highest-paid wide receiver before Tyreek Hill and because Devontae Adams signed with the Raiders in a blockbuster trade, Kansas City was forced to trade Tyreek Hill. Fact, not fiction. Because Drew Rosenhaus knew that once Devontae Adams signed this extension with the Raiders, that he had arguably a player as equal, if not better, than Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. So he went to the Chiefs and said, look, we need new money. We need to be paid as much as Devontae Adams. And the Chiefs said, sorry, we can't do it. We get Patrick Mahomes all this money. And we have Travis Kelsey and a whole bunch of other players. We can't do it. So Tyreek Hill goes to Miami. And Kansas City got much more in return than what Green Bay got in return from the Raiders. I mean, Green Bay got some fair compensation, but nothing near what Kansas City got with the five picks. And Kansas City now has 12 picks in the draft. So they're going to be able to you know, pick their spots and trade. You know, With those 12 picks, they might end up having eight on draft day because they're packaging picks to move up and get a wide receiver, and it's a great wide receiver draft. So they're going to place, replace Tyreek Hill, but not at that level. So this is the facts of what's happening with the Raiders that you don't hear on national radio shows. You don't hear on other local radio shows that aren't on this flagship in town. Seems like no one knows the roster other than Q, Vinny, our morning show, everybody else. No one knows the roster in this league, nor does anybody care. I was on a Boston radio show representing the Raiders, and they didn't even know the roster. And I'm telling you all the players that are even coming from New England, and the Boston guys weren't even sure about all of it. So there's a lot of misconception right now around the league, and I don't know if you care enough about it. I do. Because this is my business. This is what I deal with. I try to, you know, secure the castle at Game of Thrones with the Nightwalkers who are coming over the castle walls and they all hate the Raiders and they want to kill off all the Raider characters in Game of Thrones. And I try to stay there and get the dragons going to fight them off if I can. That's, that's a minimum of what I can do for everything the Raiders have done for me and my wife and my kids in my life. So as I look at this piece of paper I have in front of me in my studio today, I'm just shocked at how many players they brought in. I'm excited about how many players they brought in. They brought in all new coaches other than one. So they've been super active in the last couple of weeks, which means Mark Davis gave them the budget, and Dan Ventrelli and everybody behind the scenes, and Tom Delaney and everybody who's dealing with the cap and the numbers, and Dave Ziegler now, the new guy, they all got in a room and said, well, here's the deal. It seems like you want to restructure a lot of these contracts so we can go get Devontae Adams so let's move the numbers around get a couple of players to restructure and do that and they did that and then they're probably gonna have to move some more money around to get Derek Carr extended because we all know that's a big deal coming up here they did it for Max first and they jumped in all in on Max Crosby which I thought was great so this is a great week a great time in the Raider Nation it's really not the offseason this is a very busy time in the offseason the offseason is June and July when the coaches get their last vacation and We take a vacation and we get ready for training camp and everybody gets rolling again. But I think you'd have to say if you're a Raider fan from the 1960s all the way till now that this is one of the more explosive off-seasons in Raider history. I think we should be talking about that all the time. Speaking of the 60s, as we look back at the history of the Raiders draft, we had Fred Bolitnikoff. We had to move Art Shell, who had a scheduling conflict. We have Art Toms. Coming in today at the bottom of the hour, Art played in some of the greatest games of all time. Uh, All the biggest games that the Raiders ever played in. 
on their way up to the first Super Bowl, all of them. You know, the 72 Dolphins, Immaculate Reception, all those big games, and his draft story is really interesting, and we're using that in a long podcast series that you can find at Raiders.com. All right, so now I'm standing up because I'm really motivated about this topic. Tyreek Hill is arguably one of the top four to five greatest Raider opponents of all time. Do not argue with me on that. You'd be wrong. I would, I, I would, I would beat you in that debate. I repeat, Tyreek Hill is one of the greatest Raider opponents of all time. I never liked the guy because of his misconduct in college against women. I thought when he came into the league, I used the word thug because he was. I use the word thug all the time. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with that. If you're a thug, you're a thug. I don't care where you are. You can be Putin around the world. You're a, you're a bad guy. This guy was a bad guy coming out of college. He dropped all the way to the fifth round because he was a bad guy, and no one wanted him because of his transgressions in college. He came into the league, and he gave the Raiders fits. This is a Raiders show. So I tweeted out before the show, let me know who you believe are the greatest Raider opponents of all time. It's really cool what we're getting back here and I'm hearing here. And most of it has to do with the Chargers. So I I tweeted out uh, Tyreek Hill is one of the top players of all time in the rivalry with the Raiders, along with LaDainian Tomlinson, John Elway, and a few others. And then I put the tweet out again this morning. And we're finally getting a whole bunch more. So I'd like you to jump in on this because it's not a tribute show to Tyreek Hill. But thank God he is out of the division. The Raiders, former coaches, who I respect them all, as you know, had no clue on how to guard this guy. I interviewed them all. I interviewed Gus Bradley. I interviewed Paul Gunther. I interviewed Jack Del Rio. Face-to-face on television. And most recently... The interim head coach, Rich Basaccia, and I looked him in the eyes and I said, you know it's coming. Misdirection. Play's going to start off to the left. It's going to come back to the right in Tyreek Hill. And you know it's coming. How do you stop it? And they all looked me in the eye and gave me their reason and they couldn't stop it. So I was sick of the topic. I I was sick of it. I did a show with Lincoln Kennedy. I filled in for Aaron Coscarelli and we talked about misdirection in quotes. The Chiefs run the same couple of plays. You have Kelsey, who's never hit at the line of scrimmage. Everybody plays powder puff football with this guy. George Atkinson would come out of the safety position, line up against Russ Francis, punch him in the mouth, grab him to the ground. That's how they stopped him, and it worked. The Raiders, for whatever reason, past tense, would never guard these guys. They would either try to line up with Tyreek Hill at the line of scrimmage. He'd go right around him, gone. Or what they do is they lay off Tyreek Hill, and then Tyreek Hill would go in motion, and he'd get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. He'd be gone for 30 yards. And then it would open up either Kelsey or one of the other receivers, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and it was just a house of cards for the Raiders. Raiders thought they figured it out two years ago. They split with Kansas City, and last year they were thoroughly embarrassed. Holman on the road, Kansas City slaughtered the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that won 10 games. Now Tyreek Hill is gone. We should literally throw a parade on Fremont Street and give this guy some type of free night at Circa and say, thank God you're gone. Because if he came back this year, I'd have confidence in Patrick Graham and the defensive coaches, but it'd be the same thing again. Prove it to me. So when I look at the short list 
of the greatest Raider opponents of all time, there's no way you can take Tyreek Hill off the Mount Rushmore. Remember, Mount Rushmore has four, not five. Then I think you'd have to put John Elway in there, right? Or Dan Fouts. You have to pick a quarterback. You might go Mahomes, right? You might go Mahomes. Mahomes has proven that he's a Raider killer. And then you have Kelsey. Where are you going to put Kelsey? I had someone say number one. And then I was talking to two Raider alumni yesterday. I asked them a question as we had a corporate event at the stadium. I asked them this exact question. Ike Kajuba and Keon Nash, I asked them the same question. And that one said Antonio Gates. And the other said, the other guy you can't take off the Mount Rushmore, LaDainian Tomlinson. I sat in the black hole or stood in the black hole in Oakland for many years with Black Hole Rob and the famed Black Hole. And LaDainian Tomlinson seemed like every game he ever played in Oakland, he had 135 yards, two touchdowns. Teardrop spikes in the end zone right in front of me. So we got rid of Tyreek Hill only because Devontae Adams came to the Raiders. The Raiders paid him an enormous amount of money and it forced Tyreek Hill out. Now, let's balance out the show with what that can mean for the Raiders financially. Andy Reid's a pretty sharp guy, and Kansas City's been pretty sharp with their payroll and what they're doing. They basically said that Kansas City's saying that they don't want to do a deal like that with Tyreek Hill. But why'd the Raiders do it with Devontae Adams? Simple, because the Raiders are chasing Kansas City. Kansas City is not chasing the Las Vegas Raiders. They've been way ahead. So Kansas City's saying, we would rather have the draft picks. Give us the draft picks for the 12 draft picks we have total, and we'll stay on the top. And the Raiders are saying, the hell with the draft picks. We want to have Devontae Adams. We want other players here so we can catch Kansas City. Because the Gruden method, which I supported, was go get your own guys, build in the draft, and try to match Kansas City. That's why exactly why Henry Ruggs was drafted. Exactly. Tyreek Hill. I know that to be fact because I talked to coaches. They, draft, they um, drafted Henry Ruggs the third because they wanted a Tyreek Hill, and they got him. And he was playing really well before the tragedy, the car accident, the kill Tina Tintor. So with all of that, now the Raiders go, well, instead of getting a Henry Ruggs-type player who's very good, we're going to go over the top and get Devontae. He's better than all these guys. So I think this is fascinating. I really do. And I think the Raiders did a hell of a job so far in the offseason, and I think there's more to be done. But as we open up the show and I have an opportunity to talk to you, we have a Kansas City Chief insider to talk Chiefs and Raiders a little bit later on. Linda Cohn from ESPN as I continue my series as we pay tribute to John Clayton who passed away last Friday, almost a week ago. Every day we put on a guest to talk about John Clayton. I want to hear from you today on the importance of getting Tyreek Hill out of the AFC West and how you think the Raiders now can bring Kansas City back to the pack. Because out of all due respect to everyone in the Raider Nation who's listening, we got a big audience, no one had it right before. None of you. I sat here year after year after year. You all told me how we were going to stop Tyreek Hill, and it never happened. So now he's the hell out of here. So I don't have to worry about it. And I think with Tyreek Hill gone, it really shows that Kelsey can be stopped because there can be a concentration more on Kelsey instead of Tyreek Hill, because the Raiders couldn't handle either one of them. Now, at least, they'll be going up against a new receiver who isn't Tyreek Hill. And then with Travis Kelsey, I think they have a much better chance to bracket him with some of the players that they're bringing in, because we don't have to sit there and worry about Tyreek Hill. 
I don't like Tyreek Hill as a person, but I give credit to where credit's due. He is one of the greatest all-time bad guy nemesis in Raiders history. That's the ultimate compliment that I can pay to him. I don't think I can pay a better compliment to him than that. So I want to know what you have to say, 702-365-9200. Put this phone number in your phone under JT, 702-365-9200, and compare anybody else in your life. And you can go back to Lance Allworth. You can go back to Charlie Joyner. I don't care where you go back to. You can go back anywhere, but who gave the Raiders in your lifetime more fits than Tyreek Hill? I can guarantee you the list is so short, it can only be two or three people. And I gave you one in LaDainian Tomlinson. 702-365-9200. Passionate Raider, you've been waiting the entire time, so I'll get you in here before our interview. Go ahead. Thank you, JT. Thank you, man. Man, JT, just it, it, it's just a blessing to hear, man. You know, Devontae, lifelong, wanted to always be a Raider fan, man. I never knew that as a Raider fan. So that just tickles me down the side because another man getting to live out his dream in the silver and black, knowing he wants nothing more than to win that championship for the nation. And a player, JT, that I used to hate, one was Latanian Thomason, two would be uh, A.B. would be Tariq and Kelsey, and number three when I back in the day was John Elway, man. He just always used to torture. Somehow, some way, he always made a play and used to torture back in my day, JT. But what's, what's something else that's even more impressing is the thought of just thinking of Josh and Ziggler, thinking this ahead, putting all these pieces together mm-hmm. while we were all freaking out. Me, number one, me freaking, was back there, calm and collective. Nobody knew what was going on. And I guarantee you, them two probably knew this was going to happen with the yeah. Chiefs, with Tariq. Because to make that happen, that's a genius. That doesn't happen. That's a once-in-a-lifetime that's a game-changing move in Raider Nation. Let's go, baby. Raiders! Yeah, we were supposed to have, and we're going to get, and we'd hang up on him, please. Thank you. We are, I don't think you could say that the Raiders got Devontae Adams to get Tyreek Hill out of the division. Uh, maybe someone was smart enough, and Dave Ziegler, I think we have him on next week. I'll ask him that, but that's a chess move that I don't think you can predict. They cared more about getting Devontae Adams away from Green Bay to pair him up with Derek Carr as their best friends. Did they think in the back of their mind that Kansas City would have to match Tyreek Hill? Probably because they knew Tyreek Hill's contract was in a contract year and he was due for an extension. I'm surprised Tyreek Hill got away. But Miami desperately wanted him there and Drew Rosenhaus made the deal. This deal wasn't about Tyreek Hill wanting to go to Miami. It had nothing to do with that. This deal was about um, the, the agent. The agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who's based in Miami, bringing Tyreek Hill, who trains in Miami. You really think that Drew Rosenhaus would have let Tyreek Hill, even for this type of money, go to the Jets? No way in hell Tyreek Hill was going to a rebuilding Jets team with his whole legacy on the line to be a Hall of Famer. No way that was going to happen. I can promise you that. Right here in front of me. Grimaldi's. I'm looking at a box in my house. We had Grimaldi's last night. Unbelievable Mediterranean Caesar salads, calzones, Brooklyn Bridge pizza, best pizza I ever had. Thanks to Grimaldi's for setting everyone up with real pizza in Vegas.
This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Actually, I was just sitting at home. This is not my first go around with free agency. Um, I was just sitting at home, kind of just weighing out the options and uh, did finally talk to Josh. It was kind of one of those situations where what would be the best situation for me and my family going forward. And, um, and this was a, a very easy choice, schematically and on a personal level as well. Um, this is a very familiar face. Familiar face is. It's a lot of coaches on this staff that I've had the pleasure of being coached by in the past, uh, and a few of them more recently. So this has been uh, it's been a hell of a ride. And yeah, when Josh pretty much made his phone call, it was kind of summed it up from where I was going for me. New Raiders running back Brandon Bolden. As you look at the fit, the fit of the new Patriots GM and coach and the coaches with players that are coming over with the New England principles on how to win not only championships but multiple championships. JT, back with you. Uh, thanks to the Raider Alumni Department, we came up with an idea to talk to draft picks from every decade, starting with the 60s, Fred Bolitnikoff, Art Shell coming up. I was thrilled my friend Art Toms is kind enough to join us, a defensive tackle who went to Syracuse and was drafted in the first round, the 22nd pick overall in 1969. Art, my friend, thanks for doing this. I hope you're doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, working in my laundromats. I love it. We'll get we'll get to the coins coming up in a bit. Uh, Art, you had an unbelievable college career. You were a great player at Syracuse after Brick Townsend, uh, Township High School in Brick Township, New Jersey. So you come out of Syracuse where Al Davis went to school. Walk me through the draft process and how you became a Raider. How'd you hear about it? Um, well, uh, if you remember, the draft back then was in January. And I was actually up at Syracuse registering for second semester classes. And my agent had told me I'd probably go in the third round. So I registered for classes, and then I drove home uh, from Syracuse to Bricktown, which takes about five hours. And I got home uh, about 3 o'clock, and I'm driving down the, the street, and in the front of my house there's this big white sign. And my father and sister, my father had gotten a phone call from the Raiders that I was drafted, you know, number one. And they wrote on the... Uh, on the seat, you know, it's a big sheet off the bed. It's the only thing they could find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in black lettering, Art Tom's number one pick, Oakland Raiders. And uh, wow. that's how I found out I was drafted. I, I almost drove right through the garage door. I was so shocked. Art, that is an incredible story. I've known you for a long time. You took me under your wing. I've never heard that with the bed sheet. And that will stay with yeah. you forever. So, how do you think, Mr. Davis, I mean, again, you had a, a standout run at Syracuse. How did, how, how did the fit come with you at defensive tackle on the line? Because even before you came there, the Raiders in the mid to late 60s were playing in some of the most physical, violent, bloody games of all time. And then you jump in to get in these wars at the line of scrimmage. What was that like for you as a young player? Well, my first couple of years, I, I played mostly special teams behind Tom Keating. And then uh, my third year, they traded him to Pittsburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I became a starter, and then I, I started for five years. I didn't actually find out till uh, 
like a decade later, even maybe longer, I was at uh, Alumni Weekend in Napa, mm-hmm. and Ken Hirock was there. And he, he told me the story about how the Raiders came to draft me. It was uh, I played in the Hula Bowl, the Senior Bowl, and the East West Shrine game. But they really focused on my uh, Senior Bowl. And they, Hirok told me I was the quickest guy off the line of scribbins, and that's one of the reasons they took me number one. Art Toms is our guest, former Raider, first-round pick in 1969. So, Art, tell me about training camp, and as much as you can, this is a PG-rated show, but on your first, you talked about those first two years. What was it like in training camp with these cast of characters and the players coming behind you in the early 70s as you guys are having some of the most memorable times at night, some of the most difficult two-a-day practices in the history of the NFL? How did that mold you into becoming a better football player? Um, you know, it was the attitude of, of players like Gene Upshaw and LaMonica you know that uh, you know that we were there was no game that we were in that we couldn't win and come back to win and we did it so many times and for me as a rookie you know I was I was lockering I was number eighty and I was lock, uh, lockering next to Warren Wells and Ben Davidson and uh, Ben Davidson every every training camp would have a project and one year he uh, he would g- gather tape on the uh, floor after practice and he'd start making a ball and he'd keep adding tape every day. And, and by the end of the training camp, <laughs> his ball was huge. Uh, another time he, uh, you know, the little red uh, things that the tape, once the tape is used, there's a little yeah. you know thing left over. Well, he took out a, one, another year, he took, got a string and he started decorating the locker room with all these, little red uh, things. <laughs> ben was crazy. But, uh, I mean, you know, I, I made sure I got a two-year no-cut contract because <laughs> I didn't know, you know, if I'd make it or fit in or whatever. But uh, uh, so my first couple of years, I was, you know, you're a rookie and you're pretty nervous. You're in the NFL now. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these great names that they have, Stabler and Willie Brown and, I mean, I practiced every day against three Hall of Famers, Jim Otto, Gene Upshaw, and Art Shell. You know, I had to get better or they would have killed me. <laughs> that is the exact point I wanted to make to our young audience and new Raider fans is you practiced and played at the highest level against some of the greatest offensive linemen, the Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen. Art Toms joins us. Hey, Art, I mean, there were a lot of big games you played in, and I, I don't have the number here. Your winning percentage was incredible the amount of games you played in and how many games you won from 69 to 75. But how did you handle those tough losses, the playoff losses in the championship games to Pittsburgh? And how did that fuel you into the offseason? I can't imagine what it must have been like for you, knowing that you should have won those championships, you, you would lose in a championship game, and that hunger would drive you into the offseason. Uh, absolutely, yeah. We had some tough, tough losses. I mean... Uh... Uh, my eight years with the Raiders, we made the playoffs seven times, and you know every year we got knocked out, uh, you know one way or another. So, uh, and the Pittsburgh loss, you know, I was on the field for the immaculate reception, yes. and I saw it happening, and there was nothing I could do about it. Jimmy uh, Ward, uh, Jimmy Warren, 
uh, was the only one that really had a shot to get Franco before he got into the end zone. But I must have sat in my locker after that game 45 minutes, and, and I wasn't the only one that was, you know, really depressed about a game that, you know, we felt we, we should have won. But, uh, you know, the Immaculate Reception is one of the most famous plays in football history. Uh, mm-hmm. Knocked us out again. So finally yeah. in my eighth year, <laughs> we finally uh, got over the uh, – hurdle and uh won the super bowl so uh yeah i'm pretty happy about that no doubt hey art on a personal note uh you were one of the first raiders i ever met because when i started my radio career in 96 you had your memorabilia company art sports artifacts and i couldn't believe it i would come to some of your signings we promoted on the radio and you had guys come in for these signings and you got into that business just on a personal note i know you're into coin operated laundry and you've done really well with that but what have you right. seen from the beginning of the memorabilia business till now where some guys are getting 750 500 1000 a signature let alone on top of all the specialty signatures did you see that you saw that business at an early stage what do you think about it now It's crazy cuz you can't even, <clears throat> most of the guys now you can't even read their autographs Yeah <laughs> Um, you look at the older players and you can actually read their autographs, but the guys today, they, you know, whether it's Stephen Curry or Patrick Ewing or whatever, it's tough to read their autographs. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just supply and demand. It's just like, it's capitalism, you know, uh, guys used to be happy when I played to get 10 bucks for an autograph. Now they're, like you said, they're, they're getting hundreds of dollars per autograph and, uh, and then extra to sign Super Bowls or years they played or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's like gasoline. Everything's going up. <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, Art, on the way out, give a shout-out to your whole family, your grandkids, your kids, your family. Tell, tell everybody about your family, which is special, and I get a chance to see them from time to time. Yeah, I have four kids. And uh, actually, we just had our newest grandchild yesterday. Wow. Jet Arthur Krieger. And uh, baby boy, born yesterday to my daughter, Kristen. So now I have 11 grandkids. 11 grandkids. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. Art, your your legend is with the Raiders and these listeners. But, man, your legacy, I think, is being a grandfather. 11 grandkids, man. That's that's special. It is. Every one of them special. I'm actually, you know, I used to coach all my kids in all the sports that they played, and now I'm coaching my grandkids with my kids. And uh, my granddaughter's playing for the University of Hawaii. They just uh, won the Big West uh, regular season in the Big West tournament in Las Vegas, which I went to uh, a couple weeks ago. But they they had a great season. But they they made the NCAA tournament, but they lost to Baylor. Last uh, Saturday, I think it was. Well, that's that's great that you could experience that and do that with your family. Art, I really appreciate our friendship. And uh, every time I see you and we get a chance to catch up, it means everything. And this team just did a lot in the offseason, so I'm assuming we'll see you around a lot at Allegiant Stadium this upcoming season. You will. It's going to be an exciting year. I see some of the – Picks they're signing, free agents they're signing, and then the draft coming up. And you got a new coaching staff, so uh, it's going to be an exciting year. Good to talk to you, Art. I'll see you soon. Thanks for doing this. All right, JT, anytime. You got it. Thank you. What a blessing to talk to Art Toms. 
Again, if you're a new Raider fan, one of the things that I was asked to do and I, I'm proud to do it is bring you those interviews from the legends. Seven of eight years in the playoffs, in the biggest games the Raiders have ever played, and losing most of them until the Super Bowl run. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for him. And he painted that picture beautifully, sitting in the locker room after the Immaculate Reception, 45 minutes on the field during the Immaculate Reception, which we call the Immaculate Deception. And Art Toms almost got home, almost got to Bradshaw on that play. What a career he had. What a great Raider. Really appreciate that. 888-623-3646. Excuse me, Bobby. Thank you. That's my night show number. I was too engrossed in the interview. 702-365-9200. Stoner dude gets that. As I don't partake and I'm at home today. How are you, stoner dude? I know the number, 702-365-9200. Yeah, I, 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 JT, you talk about the opponents, the great opponents that play the Raiders, and so many names go through my clouded mind right now. I think of the days of Tony Gonzalez and even Antonio Gates redefining the tight end position. You know, Phillip Rivers is 19-10 and 10 yes. against the Raiders, and I can't think of another opponent that literally stared down in the black hole and laughed while he did it. But, you know, when you brought up LaDainia Thomas and JT, I think of one game, and I'm sure you were there. I mean, it was probably the most humiliating I've ever felt in that Coliseum against the Chargers or against an opponent. LaDainia Thomas ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and threw a touchdown all in the same game and literally toyed with us. I had nothing that day. So I, I have to put LaDainia Thomas at the top of my list. Hey, JT, a little bit of rock talk. Four years ago. 40 years ago, Iron Maiden released the number of the beast with the greatest heavy metal albums of all time. And I mentioned that because JT, I got an announcement will be coming soon, but Raider head is going to be planning something for the, with the black hole for nice. the uh, draft party coming up this month. I'm looking forward to it. And I love the way this deep, our defense is coming together right now, JT. I think that's as huge as all the discussion about Devontae Adams. We're looking forward to this season, JT. Talk to you soon. Thanks, my friend. Good to hear from you. Good to see Raiderhead out in the parking lot. And uh, Black Hole, I'm sure, as I'm talking to Cisco and all my brothers and sisters in the Black Hole, uh, they have a lot happening at the Tropicana. Go to the Black Hole on Facebook, all their social media, and you'll see what's out there. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson was a special player. I'll tell a Junior Seau story later. I posted a picture of myself and Junior when I did my show at his restaurant, which was a really special moment for me. I love Junior Seau. He was a great Raider opponent. But Philip Rivers has won more games against the Raider organization than anyone on planet Earth. That's the way he should get introduced the rest of his life because he didn't win a Super Bowl. If Rivers walks into a banquet, he could be introduced as the man who has beat the Raiders more than any other football player of all time. Yeah, he was a nightmare at times, and the Raiders got him in a couple of big games. Loving the show today. 702-365-9200. Join us with the Raider Nation. No, no specific things relative to extending that at this point, uh, but that doesn't mean that's not going to change. Um, we are aware of where we're at on that in, in that process. I think we're just trying to get everything kind of set now in the building. 
Um, you know, our staff is obviously, this has been a big chunk of this, this first three or four weeks, is trying to put the right people in, in place here. Um, I've met and spoken to Derek a number of times now, um, just trying to begin our relationship. I think it's really an important one. Uh, the head coach, the play caller, the quarterback, um, getting to know one another as people, kind of how we think, how we work. Uh, the football part of that will come later, uh, which I think is also an important part of the, the, the puzzle. But um, really happy with the opportunity that I've had to get to know him. Um, he's there, you know, he's there in Nevada. He stays there in Nevada. So um, we're aware of where things are. Josh McDaniels, who's been very transparent about the relationship with Derek Carr, as Derek Carr is in that window for a contract extension, whatever happens with Derek Carr and his money going forward. But as you know, this is very interesting, very interesting what's happening with all the extensions that are being done around the league as contracts continue to go up, up, and up. And contracts are going through the roof. Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, those two have now set the bar for non-quarterbacks, and the Raiders have one of the two big ones. You got Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. The Raiders now must win. They have to win with Devontae Adams in this contract. It's, it's a giant contract. you got to deliver, and I think you will. And Derek will get paid. All the other quarterbacks around the league are getting paid. Uh, the Raiders are giving up some draft equity to do it. I don't know anybody who's not thrilled about that. I mean, you love draft picks. You'd love to keep them. But if you can get rid of a draft pick or two or more than that, five for Tyreek Hill, five, you go do it. You get players who can play now. You're not promised tomorrow in life and in sports. So if you can do a deal and get better, do it. Now, can it come back? Can the chickens come home to roost down the road? You better believe it. Do I envision a time where the Raiders are going to have to restructure possibly Devontae Adams or Max Crosby or whoever it is? That doesn't mean they're going to get less money. They're going to have to have some of their money redone into a signing bonus. Whatever it is, they'll figure that out in Henderson. They'll do that in the executive offices. You're just looking to buy a ticket and get into the building. I was talking to a friend the other night about this, and he said, JT, how do you get tickets to a Raider game? I said, they're sold. They're all sold. There's not a bucket in Oakland. You know, if Oakland, if you called me and said, hey, you know, can I get a ticket to the game, friends and family? I'd be like, yeah, let me make a call. Uh, you know, I got, got people in high places within the team. Yeah, even if I had to pay out of pocket or whatever, I can get you a ticket to an Oakland game. This is the toughest ticket in sports. And as I tweeted out earlier, the Las Vegas Review Journal put out an article about the stadium experience at Allegiant Stadium. And it was remarkable to me, Las Vegas Review Journal, Allegiant Stadium was named the best NFL venue for game day satisfaction in a national survey. Fans gave high marks to the stadium's accessibility throughout the RTC bus service. And I retweeted this, and I said, and to think that there were media members in Vegas who didn't want this stadium and mocked the entire process. Thank God those shows don't exist anymore. So what I'm saying about that is people denied it. I live here. I've lived here since 1996, on and off. I lived in L.A. for 10 years, in the Bay for two. But, I, you know, Vegas has been my home for a long time. And there were actually people here that were sitting around going, well, we don't need a stadium. What? We don't need a stadium. I don't know how much it was going to cost. It didn't cost $4 billion like it did in L.A. It was under $2 billion. They built it on time. It's gorgeous. 
It's Raider-esque. It's all Raiders. And since then, since they opened that stadium, I saw Garth Brooks, Guns N' Roses, the Rolling Stones, Metallica, Billy Joel. Nothing against T-Mobile, but seeing it in a football stadium was pretty cool. So for those who are on the wrong side of Vegas history, and there are a few, get out of the way of the momentum of this stadium and football team. You're either in or you're out. Make your decision. Do what you want to do. But this is the home of the Raider Nation. The global home is Las Vegas of the Silver and Black.